0: All right. All of us have that song, right? All of us have that song that when it comes on, when it comes on the radio, we are in the in the car, in the deal, and we just start bobbing our head. We start hitting the steering wheel. Last night, when I was coming home from from Lake Country, I pulled alongside of the stoplight next to this next to this girl, and she was going to town. Uh, she did not care that I was staring at her. Uh, at All. And maybe we've all been there or maybe you're a little bit more private that it's in the shower that you do this or, you know, into, you know, your comb or something in the privacy of your room Uh, is that one song that comes on. And you just go nuts. You find life. Hall of Fame is that for me. Uh, when I need a pep, when I need some adrenaline, I listen to that song. I think it's an awesome song. For my boys, it's, it's Fall Out Boy, the song by Fall Out Boy, you know, uh, um, light the fire, let the fire, something, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. They, they they scream that out on the way to school. They want to listen to that every morning on the way to school. We listen to it on the way here uh, this morning. Uh, everybody has that song. Everybody has the playlist for whatever mood that you that, that you want, whether in iTunes Radio or Spotify or Pandora or, you know, if you like, what are those and you rock the 45, you know, whatever, whatever uh, works for you. But we all have that song that brings us life. We all have that playlist that brings us life, that workout playlist that, that you got to have. And it's not Barry Manilow, right? It's, it's what we have to have in order to get life, in order to get adrenaline, in order to get ready. I referee college soccer. Every college soccer team has the track that they warm up to. We all want to have life. We all want to find life, and music's a pretty safe place to find life. This is why we do music kind of the way that we do, so that we can help find life in the music, and that's a pretty safe place to find life, but but we all know that we can find life in non-safe places as well, places that actually ending up that it brings temporary life, but it ends up giving us long-term death. The relationships, the sex, the the, the alcohol, the, the, the success, the fame, the money, the lies, the videotape, right? We all try to find life somewhere. It is built into us to find life. Last week we were taking a look at Genesis and the five sin stories of Genesis. Genesis 3 through 11 and, 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 and the building blocks of, of who we are as people. And we see that, that, that the very first thing that God says about sin is that it brings death. It brings death to us. And we see that through all of those stories, but we're going to jump to Isaiah like we're doing in this, this series that we're calling for, and we go from Genesis and then to Isaiah because Isaiah ties his themes into the themes of Genesis, and God speaks to Isaiah here in Isaiah 43, or starting in Isaiah 43, he, he, he speaks to Isaiah about the object or the, the, the idea of sin and how, how sin brings death, but what to do about it. What to do about it. So you can follow along on your smartphone or your tablet. And, and our, our Wi-Fi code is here to serve. And I, we encourage you to, to log in there or follow along there. You can, you can take notes in the Bible app and everything. And if you use Evernote, you can send them to Evernote. And woo, Evernote, you know, all three of you that know what I'm talking about. <laughs> or you can just crack open a hardbound Bible and uh, rock the 45 with that. So... <clears throat> We will also throw them up on the screen as well. But we're taking a look at a formed life and how to have a formed life. Uh, I said, uh, I apologize. I opened up the wrong um, note page. There. There you go. Isaiah forty-three. When I looked at looked there, it said Isaiah forty-one. I'm like, no, this is this is going to go wrong, but. We're good. We're good. Isaiah 43, starting in verse 22, but dear family of Jacob, notice God doesn't just say family of Jacob, dear family of Jacob, he loves them, he cares for them, but he's going to give them some bad news. You refuse to ask for my help. You have grown tired of me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep or goats for burnt offerings. You have not honored me with sacrifices, though I have not burdened and wearied you with requests for grain offerings and frankincense. You have not brought me fragrant uh, calamus or pleased me with the fat from sacrifices. Instead, you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your faults." I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my sake and will never think of them again. Let us review this situation together and you can present your case to prove your innocence. If I am wrong here, if I am wrong, uh, then tell me, let me know. From the very beginning, your ancestors sinned against me. All your leaders broke my laws. That is why I have disgraced your priests. I have decreed complete destruction for Jacob and shame for Israel. If you struggled with the church, maybe one reason why you've struggled with the church is because we preach all this gloom and doom and we hear the, the, the I, I, uh, idea of a prophet and we're like, oh, it's all gloom and doom. And, and you're like, exactly, this is no better. Part of the problem is we don't keep reading, and we'll keep reading here. But the deal is, is that God is telling them your sin is producing death in you, and it's going to produce destruction. What's happening here is God's speaking to this dude named Isaiah in the 700s B.C., but he's talking about a time that's coming in the 500 BCs that, that, that you will be destroyed because of your sin, that you will you refuse to come to me and get help. I've given you the opportunity to have your sins forgiven, but you keep walking away from me. You keep going to the idols. You keep going to, 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 to sin, and you refuse to come back to me. But it's all easy. I've provided a way for you to be forgiven. But you refuse. I put on the cheat sheet, and you'll see on the, the screen, in the last couple of days, I've reformed uh, the, the, the first point, or first deal. Uh, I've, I first said religious activity doesn't produce life. But really, what we're trying to say here is that idols don't produce life. Idols don't produce life. You're know, like, I, well, that's good news. I don't have little statues of people in my house, and I worship them and stuff. But we have more sophisticated idols here in America, don't we? We may, we might not bow down to a st- statue, but we bow down to something, and. Whatever we bow down to, we think will provide life for us. We think will give us life. And it will give us temporary life. It will give us life in the short term. But we know that the next morning, or the next five seconds, it produces death. We come to that point and go, why do I do that? Why do I do that? I know it's dumb, but why do I do that? You calling me dumb? Calling all of us dumb. Because we all do dumb things. Leadership leadership guy, John Maxwell, uh, here's how he puts it. We're all one decision away from stupid. (laughs) All one decision away from stupid. And we're all there. We're all there. And we do stuff and I'm like, that was dumb. Why do I keep going back to that? Because, 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 it gives us temporary life. here's God saying, look, 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 I've given you an out. I've given you the ability to have these sins forgiven. I've given you the chance, but you don't take it. And we turn the page to another chapter, and so quite often we we stop reading here because it's gloom and doom, and they're going to be destroyed, and I'm going to be destroyed, or whatever. And we don't keep reading. We don't keep reading. Isaiah 44, 1. But now, listen to me. Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. God is tying this back to Genesis Jacob and Israel, the same person. He's talking about my people. The Lord who made you and helps you says, Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant. O dear Israel, my chosen one, for I will pour out water to quench your thirst and irrigate your parched fields. And I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. They will thrive like watered grass, like willows in a river bank." God's like, I know, I know why you're doing this. I know why you keep doing dumb things. You thirst for something. You have this thirst. You have this thirst inside of you, and you are going to quench this thirst. So when we go to relationships, when we go to sex, when we go to alcohol, when we go to drugs, when we go to fame, when we go to success, when we go to lies, when we go to to all this stuff, we have a thirst within us that we want to quench. And God's like, I know you have this thirst. I put that thirst there. There. And guess what? I just went through a list there, and you're like, eh, that religion. Religion. Showing up at church. Doing the good things. We can do that and miss God. We can do that and miss God. We can let going to church and religion and being good try to quench our thirst. Jesus said as much to the Pharisees, John five thirty nine. He's talking to the Pharisees about how much they read and studied the Bible and read and studied the scriptures, the Old Testament, and had it memorized from front to back. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. You miss, you miss it. You think the scriptures have eternal life. But you haven't found it. You think religion gives it to you. You think being good gives it to you. But all you're doing is covering up the death that is in you. We all have these things that we go to in order to try and find life. But God's saying there's only one place you can find life and that's through me. See, I'm the one that will quench your thirst. I'm the one that will give you waters in the parched land, in the dry land. So if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and you're saying, I am dry, I am thirsty, I want more, and I am tired of searching for life only to find it temporarily and then go back and find that my ground is even drier, God's saying, I'm the one that gives you life. I'm the one that gives you life. I'm the one that gives you the water. And Jesus said this, didn't he? John 4, to the woman at the well. Jesus was like, hey, can you give me a glass of that water? So he's like, me? What you, you're a Jewish man. Why are you talking to me, a Samaritan woman? And what does Jesus say? John four ten. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus is saying, Isaiah 44? Isaiah 44? That water that God was talking about through Isaiah? It's me. It's me. That thirst you have have that you want to be quenched i'm the water that quenches that thirst you don't have to go to all these other places i am the one that will quench your thirst but not only that he doesn't just want to quench our thirst They will thrive like watered grass, like willows in a riverbank. He wants to produce fruit. He He doesn't just want to make your dusty old ground into mud. He wants to produce life. He wants to produce fruit where once it was a desert. When you come to him, When you seek him, when you get your your thirst quenched by God, thirst quenched by Jesus, he won't just let you get through life. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to produce fruit. He wants you to make a difference in his kingdom. He wants you to go out and provide life for other people. Because we all know people who are finding life or trying to find life, but we know it's temporary. Go to any club, go to any bar, go to any boardroom, workplace, school, church. There are people looking for life in all the wrong places. He wants us to find life. He wants us to find the water. But you know there's a difference between finding something and getting it, finding something and receiving it. We can find the well. We can find the water fountain, but that doesn't mean we're going to take a drink from it. God tells us how to actually receive it. 44 verse 5. Some will proudly claim, I belong to the Lord. Others will say, I'm a descendant of Jacob. Some will write the Lord's name on their hands and will take the name of Israel as their own. How do we we get the life? How do we get the life? Tattoo God on us. Tattoo God on us. Phil brought his needles this morning. Free tattoos to everybody. Phil's going to do it. But I do have free tattoos for everybody this morning. So I went to Walmart. The best I could find were um, Avengers and, um, and, and Spider-Man. So free tattoos for, for everybody this morning. Uh, just to remind us of the fact that God wants us to write his name on us. That he wants us to tattoo him on us the concept of branding i wrote i wore this on purpose see god has written something inside of us that allows us and in causes us to go for brands or duck dynasty <laughs> you've missing something there. that hurt i thought you'd be proud of that <laughs> and it was me he wrote something in us that causes us to go for branding and it's not a bad thing but we buy certain brands in order to be identified a certain way we are writing that brand on us and god put that within us so it's not bad it's not good it's only bad if we do you know whatever with it but God put that in us so that we would then put his branding on us. See, writing his name, as it says, on on our hand, but writing his name on us isn't about, oh, look, I've got God's name on us. See, we can, we can do that by showing up at church or being good or praying a prayer or that sort of thing. No, no, no. What that means is I am permanently bonding my body to your brand. I'm all in. I'm tired of this old way of life. I'm tired of this, this, this finding life temporarily but finding death eternal. I want to find life eternal. I'm going to brand myself with your name. In the most famous verse of all the Bible, Jesus says this. Jesus talks about tattoos. No hold on. John 3:16. "For God loved the world so much that He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes. In him will not perish but have eternal life. Belief, belief isn't, yeah, Jesus lived, yeah, Jesus died, yeah, Jesus rose again, yeah, hell is scary, so I'm gonna pray a prayer and get out of hell. That's not belief. Because James said the demons believe in God and shudder. So there's two types of belief we're talking about here, right? Belief that Jesus is talking about is I identify completely with Jesus. So, when we have two roads that we could go, one road is temporary life, eternal death. The other road is temporary death and eternal life. See, when we choose Jesus' road, when we choose to identify with Him, we die temporarily. And we feel it, right? Because, 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 because we know that there's a temporary life over here and we feel it. We feel like we're dying when we choose this other road. I want to, but I will because it provides eternal life. Temporary death, eternal life. So when Jesus says something like, take up your cross, and follow me, what is he saying? Temporary death, eternal life." Because John, two said, or Ephesians 2 says that we are raised with Christ and ascended to sit with him in heaven. Temporary death, eternal life. When we completely identify ourselves, when we tattoo his brand on us we're all in we're all in this is getting life receiving life we were said i'm tired of eternal death i want eternal life but why would we do that isaiah hits this like a broken record he beat this horse until it's dead and dead again. Isaiah 44, 6. This is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord of heavenly armies. I am the first and the last. There's no other God who is like me. Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Those idols we try to find life in, are they really as powerful as I am? Really? Really? Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explained its future. Let those idols explain your future to you. Let them them tell you what's in your future. They don't want to tell you what's in your future if you follow them because they know that it's death and you're not going to have any of it. Let me tell you what's in your future life. Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No. There's no other rock. Not one. Why do we tattoo him on us? Because there's none other like God. There's none other. There's no one more powerful. There's no one that gives us a better future. There's no rock to stand on besides God. Nobody else. That's why we say, I'm All in. Whatever road you take me on, I'm in. Wherever it leads me, I will follow. For some of you, maybe you're just determining, this is life for the first time. You're trying to decide on Jesus for the first time. We're not asking you to choose something other than, you're tired of your death. Tired of death. For those of you that have been walking with Jesus longer, and you're going through something, you've already said, yes, I will go. Whatever, wherever, wherever the road leads, I will go. Because there's no one greater. There's no one higher. There's no one stronger. There's no one like God. John says this in his gospel. John 20, 30, and 31. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the one recorded in this book. If I wrote down everything that Jesus did, I'd never stop writing. But these are written so that you may continue to believe, tattoo, that Jesus is the Messiah, the special one, the son of God, and that by believing in him, you have life by the power of his name. John is like, there's no one greater than Jesus. Jesus has proved this through his life. There's no one greater than Jesus. I have written everything that I've written so that you will also believe that there's nobody like Jesus and tattoo him on your life so that you will find temporary death but eternal life. We love the hero epic. It's written in us. We watched the movie Epic on Friday. Those of you that have seen it, the special one come to provide life in death. There's just one story in the hero epic. It doesn't matter what cartoon, what Pixar movie, Disney movie you want to watch. There's one hero epic, the special one that comes to provide life and death. Where do we get that story? Where do non-Christians writing these stories get that story? It's written inside of us. It's written inside of us. We have a heart for the hero epic. The one that has come, the special one that has come to give life in the midst of death. It's written in our hearts. That's why we pay billions to go see it. It's written in our hearts. You can find Jesus everywhere if you're just looking. Because He is the special one that's come to provide eternal life in our eternal death. And He's come to form every one of us, our life. And we know it's not the breathing part of life that He's forming. It's the inner, the drive, the adrenaline, the endorphins, the the deal, right? That it's inside of us. He's come to form that. So wherever He leads we will go. Those Pharisees, those religious leaders that Jesus was saying, you pour over the Scriptures, you memorize the Scriptures, you think there's life in the Scriptures. John five thirty nine. Well, there's a 540. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. The Scriptures point to me. Isaiah points to me as the eternal life. We'll actually talk talk about that. Our our Christmas series is about the prophecies of Christ. And we'll take a look at how Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah all point to Jesus in the Old Testament. Five to seven hundred years before He actually comes. It all points to me. I'm the life. See, reading scriptures, obviously, that's not bad. I'm a pastor. I'm not going to tell you that's bad. But what isn't good is when we think that reading scriptures alone is finding life. When all God wants to do is let Jesus speak to us through His scripture and form Our life, so that when we are along that road and we have the choice of temporary life and eternal death, or temporary death and eternal life, we choose to take up our cross and follow Him. To sacrifice to follow Him. To sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of our own choices, our own flesh. It's a sacrifice of our own mission. To sacrifice for his mission. But he's the one that gives life. And in the parched, dry land, he produces fruit through his water. So the question is for everybody. Do you have life? Do you have life? Got life? Should do an advertised campaign around that. Be a good idea. Got life? It's a question for everybody. Maybe some of you you're ready to step into life for the first time. You look over your field, you look over your meadow. And it's completely dry. Like I I, I need a drop of rain. It's a bad place. You ask God, I need your life. I am ready to fully come to you. For some of us. We've received the life. We look over our plain. We look over our meadow and, 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 and there's life. And our meadow's different now than what it was five years ago. And, but maybe there's a corner. Maybe there's a corner that you haven't let God's irrigation system into. And it's dry and it's dusty and it's not producing fruit and it's not producing life. And you're like... Yeah, but any corner, but that corner. No, that that corner. Because we're human. We ain't dead yet. We struggle. We still make the temporary life decisions. But you know what God's saying? I still have water for the corner of your field. So how is God forming your life? This morning we're going to celebrate also the Lord's Supper during this song. And maybe you're used to this, maybe you're not. How we do it is that it's you're on your own. You you go to either one of the stations when you are ready. And we have little wafers representing the body of Jesus and, and grape juice representing His blood, representing, it's merely a symbol. And what is that celebrating? That's celebrating temporary death and eternal life. The temporary death of Jesus to only resurrect to give eternal life. And so rather, whether you have decided today to tattoo Jesus on you or you decided 70 years ago to tattoo Jesus on you, this is for you. If you don't call Cross Point your home but you call Jesus your Savior, this is for you. When you've dealt with the whole meadow or you've dealt with the corner, you're free to walk back there or walk up here and grab the elements either as individuals or as a family and celebrate the life God is forming in you. Shelly will be in the back and I'll be in the back as well if you need to pray with somebody or talk with somebody. You're ready to find life for the first time and and you want to grab one of us and talk and pray through that, we'll do that. The question is, do you have life? Because Jesus wants to form life in you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. We thank you for the life that you lived and the life that you gave up in order for us to have life. Wherever we are, we need your life. We are dependent upon your life. Allow us, every one of us, to feel when we don't have your life. I pray that you will spring up life within us. We just thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.